Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Building on the Rock, produced by St. Peter's Lutheran Congregation of Fond du Lac, located at 1600 South Main Street. Our congregation has had the privilege of serving our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ since 1858. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8 or 10.30 or every Thursday night at 6.30. St. Peter's serves Jesus' little lambs with a preschool through 8th grade Lutheran elementary school and supports Winnebago Lutheran Academy. We invite you to take advantage of the many opportunities that St. Peter's provides to help you build your life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus and his word. For more information, call us at 922-1160 or visit us at stpetersfdl.net. May God bless you as together we continue building on the rock. Good evening. And welcome to God's house here at St. Peter's. This is the second Sunday in Lent. And we see and focus our eyes on the fact that God has given a gift for the world. We'll see how the world treats that gift and what God does about it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power to defend ourselves. Guard and keep us both outwardly and inwardly from all adversities that may happen to the body and all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Like the Israelites, we suffer the results of our sins, even after we have seen the mercy of God, for we still murmur at times and complain often. In grace, God sent a cure. Those who looked did so because God's word created trust in their hearts, not because looking made any sense. Numbers chapter 21. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? 
There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Abraham provides an example of how salvation is not earned, but received as a gift through faith. Romans chapter 4. What then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered according to the flesh? If indeed Abraham had been justified by works, he would have had a reason to boast, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to a person who works, his pay is not counted as a gift, but as something owed. But to the person who does not work, but believes in the God who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Indeed, the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not given to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness that is by faith. To be sure, if people are heirs by the law, faith is empty and the promise is nullified. For law brings wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. For this reason, the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's descendants, not only to the one who is a descendant by law, but also to the one who has faith, the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. By preaching the gospel of God's love for the world, Jesus gifted faith to a Pharisee, Nicodemus. Please note the responsive reading of this sermon text. The Gospel of St. John, chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus replied, Amen, Amen, I tell you, unless someone is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Amen, Amen, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised when I tell you that you must be born from above. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asked, How can these things be? 
You are a teacher of Israel, Jesus answered, and you do not know these things? Amen, amen, I tell you. We speak what we know, and we testify about what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of weeks ago we heard about the tragic case of Uriah, Bathsheba, and David. But there's a part of the story that really wasn't the focus of my sermon a while back, but I want to bring it to your attention now. When David, in an attempt to cover up his tragic, wicked sin of adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, David does what? He recalls Uriah from the wars and brings him home, hoping that will help cover up what he has done. It doesn't work, though, because Uriah rejects the gift that his king is giving to him, which is a pretty bold move, but the sign of Uriah's wonderful faithfulness. David wants Uriah to go home and enjoy the comforts of home, comforts that David himself has already enjoyed. But Uriah refuses. He rejects the gift of a furlough from the wars because he just doesn't think he deserves it. His comrades in arms, Israel is in war. How can he enjoy a nice, comfortable stay at home while his brothers are out fighting and dying and at the very least living rough? So he's not gonna. He sleeps outside the palace and that's where he is all night long. He rejects the gift because he doesn't think he deserves it. There's probably lots of reasons why people reject gifts. Probably lots of reasons why they accept them, but there's lots of reasons why people will not take a gift that's given to them. Uriah didn't take his gift. He didn't think he deserved it. Other people will not accept gifts because they don't think they need them. I mean, why do kids throw socks away at Christmas? They don't think they need them. There's another reason, though. It might be because they think if they take the gift, which they're a little suspicious about, because they think the gift isn't really a gift at all, but it's maybe leverage. They don't take it because they don't want to be beholden to anybody. They're worried that if they take this gift, then they will owe somebody else something. People reject gifts all the time. When we look at Nicodemus, 
who is a teacher of Israel. He knows the scriptures. He knows the New Testament that is all over those Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament being the gospel, God's great love for his people and his desire to have them reconcile to himself forever. Nicodemus is still approaching Jesus like he's just a really important prophet. And that makes him very much like the world the way it is today and the way it's pretty much always been, the unbelieving world. They too have always been fascinated by Jesus. They are curious about him to some degree. They like some of the things that he says. Nicodemus was astonished by the miracles. He seems like he maybe saw some of them with his own eyes, if not talked to people who saw them with their own eyes. And he acknowledges as much when talking to Jesus that night. But he's just rabbi, not Lord. He doesn't see them, see him as the savior that is the gift to the world. Not yet. He will. But not that night. So Nicodemus is kind of a stand-in for all of us where we used to be in the unbelieving world. We're curious. Maybe we want to know a little more. But beyond that, we really want Jesus just to do what we tell him. And we want him to come to us on our own terms. So when does the world pray? Well, when they're desperate, which isn't a bad instinct. But it's still in this view of God as the one who's going to do what I tell him. And when God reveals that that's not why he came, that's profoundly confusing to the world. And they don't care for it, and they reject it. They're not interested with that. So God, give me money, give me good luck, give me a good family, give me health, give me whatever. But just don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me that anything's actually true. Just, you know, Give me stuff and shut up. I don't think Nicodemus was that crass. But he is confused. And Jesus calls him on it. It's very obvious that Nicodemus doesn't know what's going on. Jesus says in verse 10, Nicodemus, you are a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things. Amen, amen, I tell you, we speak about what we know and we testify about what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. And there I think Jesus is speaking clearly about the Trinity. We, our, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one speaking God. Nicodemus doesn't get it. And he doesn't get the gift that God is trying to give him is gained for him and for the world. He will. But it doesn't seem like it was happening that night. But that's okay. That's the, whole, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. Like the wind. You know it's kind of there, but you don't know where it's coming or where it's going to. And with the life of Nicodemus, he didn't know until that time when he became a believer We'll see him at the tomb 
of our Savior in saving faith. But not that night. You didn't want the gift that God was offering, just like the world. And that's the one thing that God is offering to the world. It's the forgiveness of sins. The world doesn't want it. A few in the world don't think that they deserve it. And they're kind of right. They're actually very right. Most don't think they need it. They don't believe that they're sinners. They think that they're doing okay. It's not perfect. But I'm doing all right. Mostly. And that's what most people think. They don't need forgiveness because they don't think they really have sin. And then there are the rest who don't want to be beholden to anyone, not even God. Now that might be because they received a false version of Christianity growing up that really made a direct line between God's going to save you if you do this, this, and this. You owe him pony up. And they think that's what real Christianity, scriptural Christianity, is all about. But that's not right. This gift for the world is free. But even when it's that clear, Jesus to Nicodemus, Jesus to the world, John 3.16, right? The world still isn't buying, so to speak. So what do you do when you have the greatest gift in the world and the world doesn't want it? What does God do with the gift that is for the world that the world doesn't want? There's a way to do it. Do you know what it is? What do you do with someone who doesn't want the gifts that you want to give to them? Now, God's solution isn't going to be workable in your family or with your kids or with your friends. Because God's God. God's solution is to kill you. What do you do with a stubborn person who doesn't want the gift that you're giving them? You kill them. That's right. Like I said, it doesn't work any other place. But it works for God. What does Jesus talk about to Nicodemus? What act of God does he speak of? Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus replied, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is like, huh? How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is clearly talking about baptism. The coming of God's powerful, forgiving word with water 
water and word that kills stubborn dead hearts, ungrateful, unknowing, ignorant hearts. You've got to kill it. You can't cajole it or talk it into it or persuade it. You can't edumacate it. You can't rehabilitate it. It's dead, dumb, and dying. You gotta kill it dead. Then you gotta bring it back to life. That's what God does. What do you do with someone who doesn't want a gift? Well, God's solution is to kill you and make you alive. Because that's what we were. Each and every single one of us. So here you are. You get it. You know what Jesus is talking about. You're much smarter than Nicodemus. But before we pat ourselves on the back, we recognize that that understanding and knowledge is gift also. And so here you are. You know, there was another gift that was rejected. This one was from God to his people. It was the gift of manna. Manna in the wilderness, that special, what is it bread that God rained down on his people for decades? And what was their reaction? Ungratitude, complaining, grumbling. So much so that God sends poisonous snakes to kill a bunch of them dead, to call them to repent. And repent they do. Moses is told to make that bronze snake. God tells them, look at it and you will live. And so many of them do. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why does that work? Well, because God says it does. So it does. Even better. God has made you alive. He's washed you clean. We live in a world that is definitely uh, not interested in what Jesus is giving away for free. That's what the world does. It shouldn't surprise us or shock us, even though it still kind of does, because <clears throat> we know what we have. We know how we got it. We know what we used to be, and you know what you are now. Dearly beloved, precious children of God. Another sinner is going to be brought into God's kingdom this Sunday. And the angels will rejoice. Christ rejoices. Because he knows what to do when someone doesn't want the gifts that he's giving. He washes them, kills them, and brings them back to life. Just as he's done for you. In that living faith that we cherish now and forever. May we go forth out into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We give you thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet you have given us in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when we will receive you as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Building on the Rock, produced by St. Peter's Lutheran Congregation of Fond du Lac, serving our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ since 1858. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8 or 10.30, or every Thursday night at 6.30. Our address is 1600 South Main Street. St. Peter's serves Jesus' little lambs with a preschool through 8th grade Lutheran Elementary School, and supports Winnebago Lutheran Academy. We invite you to take advantage of the many opportunities that St. Peter's provides to help you build your life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus and his word. For more information, call us at 922-1160 or visit us at stpetersfdl.net. We'll be back next week with another edition of Building on the Rock. Until then, God be with you.